You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Great. Thanks. Glad to be here this morning. Glad you, you are all here. Doug, Hazen, glad you're here. Yeah, that's right. You come to the party. That is great. Uh, Doug's now living in Southern Oregon, was a member here, elder for a long time, but glad you're here. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to uh, reach out locally, where we did the work day at East Gresham Grade School. About 80 of you came out, and we just had a phenomenal time. It was, it was fantastic what, was a, what we were able to do in a short period of time there. But you know, if, if we really think back and we look at Christ, the life of Christ, Christ had eternity past to plan for three and a half years that he was going to invest here to change eternity future. And at the end of his time here, well, while he was here, he, he saw people come to follow him. He sent them out in small groups to go reach the world for Christ, that the world around them. But then at the end, he's sending them out to the whole world. So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the very last thing that Jesus is saying to his disciples is, okay, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go now and reach the whole world for Christ, baptizing them, teaching them, all that, and I will be with you always. He has commanded us to be involved locally, but also globally to impact. You're going to have the opportunity this morning to get a brief snapshot a brief picture of what God did in and through all of you, but through those that were sent through us to touch areas of the world. Well, we're going to show you a little bit of the earth here, and we're going to take you from place to place. So kind of hold on here. You might get a little dizzy, but I want to start off, and we're going to go from Grace Community Church. Here we are. We're going to jump from here, and we're going to go all the way over to eastern Oregon. And there you go. We're going to jump all the way over. And we're going to come in on the Young Life Camp, where we worked with what's called Young Lives, working with teen moms that are there and having an opportunity to come alongside, invest in them, and see some of them come to Christ and see their lives changed in incredible ways. Isn't that amazing? Did you see all those, all those ladies, all those kids, all that? Well, this is Dina Storhoff, and Dina uh, led the team there, and I've asked her just to share a little bit. Some of the things that happened there and the lives that are being touched changed. Thanks, Dina. Thank you. Wow. I was uh, sharing last service that uh, today is the first day that I have seen this uh, video that was put together. Um, And it chokes me up even now that it's the second time that I've seen it. Because it brings back so many uh, memories and moments um, of that week. And um, it has become a sort of Ebenezer, this video I will hold near and dear to my heart. Um, Just like the t-shirt and the name tag that uh, come back with us. And those Ebenezers are, remember in scripture, how those are those tangible things, just a reminder of what a time when God has met you where you're at and he has changed you. And this happens when you go on any of our teams, whether it's one of our local teams like this one or one that is in another country around the world. Um, God meets you there, and you go with anticipation and the hope that he is going to use you, and you're going to be an instrument in changing the lives of the people you're working with and ministering to for eternity. But he also does something else. He changes you. And I come back from this always. This is my third year 
And every time I'm amazed at what God does in my life, I'm going wanting to work in someone else's life, and yet I also come back with a much larger capacity to love people and to see them through God's eyes. Um, and then I bring that back here too. That hopefully is showing up in my family and, and my neighbors and my friends um, and here at our church. So when I first got back, uh, the week that we came home, I shared with you that it was a return trip for me, and I had last year had a mom in my nursery, Audrey, who was quite angry. She didn't want to be there, and she was very vocal about sharing that fact with anybody who would listen. Quite frankly, I think our nursery heard about it a little bit more. So when we first arrived at camp, we'd finished unpacking, unloading, getting our rooms and nursery set up, and we were wandering around, getting a little bit of a comfort zone with the lay of the land. And I remember stopping because I had looked over. Some of the moms and their groups had begun to arrive. And I remember stopping, and I think it was Audra on our team who had looked over and said, Dean, are you okay? Because she recognized that something seemed to be bothering me. It wasn't that something was bothering me. Something had stopped me and I was in awe. And it's because as I looked across the field, I saw my mom from last year, Audrey. She came back. Her area leader had been pouring into her all year and had convinced her to come back a second time to the very camp that she thought was, quite frankly, the stupidest thing she had ever participated in. Um, remember Audra, or Audrey, I'm sorry, I have their names mixed up. Audrey, little Lulu is who I'm holding here, and that was the precious little one that was in my nursery last year. And then Ezra, the baby she's holding, was the baby she was pregnant with when she was in my nursery. This picture was actually taken at the close of the day, that last clip in the video when you see all that large room of people, was what is called the say-so. And all the moms who had accepted Jesus this week actually stand up, they're handed a microphone, and it goes through the whole room, and they proclaim publicly for the first time that they've accepted Jesus into their life, and Audrey did that this year. So this is a moment. They actually provided some rocks to be the Ebenezers for these moms, and Audrey had just picked hers up at this point, and I went over and grabbed Lulu and got to have a picture with her um, as she had just publicly proclaimed that. So that was really neat. I wanted you to have, see a picture of Audrey because there's a mom and two little ones in Idaho that now are growing in Jesus. So this picture is on day four. One of the things they do at this camp is we have dinner together with all the moms and babies and everything, and it's wonderful. It's family-style meal. One of the nights, the fourth night, they actually up the game a little bit, and they do a little bit more of a formal dinner um, evening. They have red carpet. All the moms and the babies enter the cafeteria, that, the dining hall, um, like they're coming in on the Oscars. And this was taken right before, during the time they were serving little hors d'oeuvres to all of us as we gathered for dinner. And the mom that's holding the baby on my right side, I think it's your right side too, yes, is Carissa. So Carissa is actually one of the gals that is moms that was from our Portland East area. There were moms there, as I recalled, from, from Alaska, all over the Pacific Northwest. But we have made it a tradition that we host a dinner for all the moms coming from our Portland East high schools and area. And Carissa was who we got to meet a few weeks before we left for camp. These are her two precious daughters, Aliyah and Sophia, who are identical twins, so I cannot tell you who is who. <laughs> but Carissa... Um, 
when she got to camp, she was the only one who was able to come this year from our area. So she didn't have other friends or peers with her. We were, as we said, the old ladies there, were the only other people she knew when she arrived at camp. And I, Kimberly told me afterwards, we just loved on her whenever we saw her. Her kiddos were a different age than our nursery groups, so we didn't actually get to have the girls in our nursery. But we knew them, and they actually kind of remembered us from having dinner and playing in our nursery here that night. And so we would go up and just love on her, and she'd come and find us. And apparently, we were afraid, and I told Kim, I apologize if we've overwhelmed her. We just love her. We've fallen in love with her, and Kim said, oh, no. Oh, no, the area leader. She said... Carissa wore that as a badge of honor. She was so pleased that there were these five, six ladies from Grace Community Church that knew her by name, would come up and get all excited about the girls and love on them. And so she, um, we really bonded with her, and she's here. I'm going to read a little bit of something that she wrote for uh, the newsletter when we came back. She said, The best day of my life was the day that I had my twins. But today... Today is the funnest day I have ever had in my life. And she said that shortly after she got back from camp. And then Kim added, on day five, so the day after this picture was taken, Carissa became and was added as another believer to the ranks of those who said yes to a life with their creator. So she was one of many other girls that stood up at that say-so as well. And she is now plugged into a Bible study in her group right here in Portland East. So please, when uh, she comes to mind, continue to pray for these two precious ones and all the ones that were there. So I'd just like to thank you and thank my team, Celeste Delaney, Audra Nish, Lily Arthur, Brenda Christensen, and Sandra Swanson. Because um, thank you for sending us, and thank you for letting me serve with them. Let me take a moment and pray uh, for... Uh, the follow-up of all those uh, gals that gave their lives to Christ. I mean, what a phenomenal ministry opportunity to invest in single teen moms who, who have very few resources, very few people coming alongside them. And yet God has chosen to bring people from this church to do exactly that. Let's pray for them. Father, thank you for all of the gals that were able to go. Thank you for what you did in them and we pray that you would continue to allow them to draw closer and closer to Christ and that you would bring people alongside each one of them that would help them grow in Christ. Thank you for the privilege of our folks being able to be a part. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Dina. Uh, all right, so we're going to go from uh, Eastern Oregon. And so we're going to go from Eastern Oregon, and we're going to jump all the way down to Ecuador. So there you go going to jump down south and you're going to as you see we're going to go all the way down we're going to go across central america there and then we're going to south america the north part there we're going to see on the northwest side ecuador we're going to zoom down to the town of yama uh, and uh, they focused in this area uh, spent a lot of time there um, so that team they were working uh, with a church plant uh, that's connected with crew uh, a large mission organization and that was an area that was devastated by an earthquake a year and a half ago. Okay. <laughs> Did you see what Jerry Smith said right at the end there? He goes, I'm very white. Oh, right, yeah, so. <laughs> well, this is Tabitha. Tabitha led the team down there. Could you imagine having Gabe Myers and Jerry Smith on the same team? And she gets to lead that crazy group. But uh, I've asked Tabitha to share with you a little of some of the great things that happened down there. So, thanks. So, um, 
We went down to Ecuador. There were six other people besides me, besides Jerry and Gabe. We had Ellie Vosser, Marissa Wagner, Casey Spencer, and Tammy Davis. And altogether, just an, an incredible team. I can't praise them enough for their flexibility in servants' hearts during this time. Um, just to give you a little bit background on why we went to Ecuador, as Bob mentioned, there was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake that struck there about a year and a half ago. And um, it really, it really devastated a lot of the towns in the area. And we worked in one town in particular, Matal, that was right next to Hama. And because of the infrastructure there, there were, there were quite a few deaths that happened in that area. And, and it kind of leveled multiple cities in that area. And while we were there, we worked with a lady named Maritza, and she had just been, felt called to that area a few years before, um, right after the earthquake, actually, to work and start up a church there. And to give you some background on her story, she has a really incredible story. She previously was a shaman and into witchcraft, and, and that was her whole life, and she just poured all of her money into that. And so she was riding the bus one day in a big city, and, and the bus driver was playing some Christian music, and they made eye contact in the rear mirror, and she just felt like there was something inside of her speaking to her from these songs. And so he put on a, a movie on the bus that was about Christ. And she had a friend that she knew was a Christian who had tried to speak with her before. So she got off the bus and decided to call them up and go, well, I think I'm, I'm ready to hear about this. And so they met up and uh, went down to the ocean where she, she felt a connection being a, a lifeguard. And she ended up being baptized in the ocean there. And so that was kind of her past. She, she took all of, her, all of her witchcraft books, thousands and thousands of dollars of, rich, of materials, and she just threw it into the ocean and got rid of it and turned around and, and came to this small community where she was um, decided to lead this church there. And so we came alongside her in Matal, and we started, we helped support her. We went to, with Crew, Campus Crusade, and showed the Jesus film to a neighborhood that she described as the red light district, an area that was too dangerous for her to go to on her own as a single woman, but as a group there, we could support her in, um, in showing the Jesus film to that whole community. And so that was a great opportunity. Um, we also had an opportunity to go about 45 minutes away to a town of La Viegas, which was much closer to the epicenter of the earthquake. And there we worked with Daniel and Kati. So this is the VBS that we did while we were there. And as maybe some of you have heard from, if you've talked to anyone on the trip, there was a lot of plans that got changed when we were there. And our kind of, our key word for the week was curveballs. Um, we were throwing quite a few of those. So for VBS, we were originally told to plan for 60 people and then and then 100, and then for a brief time, they told us to prepare for 350, but we didn't find that out until the day we left. Um, so we ended up being prepared for 100, and thankfully the 350 was a miscommunication, but um, we got there, and there were about 40 kids that we ended up working with, and um, it was just incredible to meet Daniel and Kati and see their heart for this community. They really have a heart for discipling and being working with the children in that community, and we're just lacking a lot of resources and, and weren't sure how to, to grow the children ministry in that area. And so they were kind of looking to us as for, as, um, for ideas and things. And so we were able to work with them. We, 
We planned for five days of VBS and we planned for 100 kids and we ended up only doing three days of VBS and having about 40 kids. So um, the blessing of that was we had a lot of extra materials that we were able to hand off to them. And not just materials, but uh, we involved them a lot in the VBS. I think after the first day they were leading activities and we decided to ask them if they would share one of the stories and uh, a song for the third day. And they were, they were a little nervous, apprehensive. And we've tried to be encouraging, knowing that we had had months to prepare our stories, and we were giving them one day. But they just blew us out of the water. with They did skits, and they did a song, and they involved the kids in all of these things. And it was just so clear that God's plan was very obvious in their lives, that they were meant to be here and to be working in this community, in this remote area. And so they were so grateful for us to, um, to come down and share our time with them and the resources that they wouldn't have the monetary, um, they wouldn't be able to get on their own just because of the how much it would cost, but also because of the remote region that they live in. It was an incredible gift and a, a blessing to be able to hand those things over to them. And, and you were all a part of that, the preparation and the months ahead of time and the prayer support that you gave us to be able to go take those things down to them. And so that will have a lasting impact as they continue to grow this ministry there. So thank you so much for, for all of your prayers and support. And continue to be praying for all of them, but just think of all those kids and all the people that were involved and the people that were touched in and through everything that was shared. We never know where that is all going to go, what's going to end up happening as a result. But very gifted, very talented people who come from amazing backgrounds that God's using. Could you join me as we pray for the follow-up of all of that? Father, thank you for Tabitha and her whole crew. Thank you for using them in just amazing ways in and through lots and lots of changes but lord you sustained them in and through all of that we do pray for uh the leaders that are still down there pray that you continue to encourage them keep bringing the right people around them to be there with them for them and that it would just continue to grow that more people would come to christ and that they would follow up the ones who made decisions while the team was there so again we give you all the praise and all the glory in christ's name amen what a great opportunity for us to just really glorify God in what he has been doing. And the lives that he's touched in and around here, but also across the world. And by the way, just so you know, at the end of this service, um, all the different teams will be out in the lobby and they'll be at different tables. Could I ask you just to go out there and talk with one of the team members and just ask them and say, tell me one story. Tell me one story of a life touched, of one story of a life changed. All right, so we want to now uh, move <laughs> from Ecuador. So we're going to go up and we're going to go from Ecuador here. And we're going to jump all the way across and we're going to go over to the Philippines. And this is where we have, this is our third year going to the Philippines with a, church, a group called Church Partnership Evangelism. You look in the Philippines, there are over 2,000 islands in the Philippines. We focused on one island that's called the island of Cebu, and they actually worked in Cebu City. <laughs> Did you see dinner one night there? Was the pig? The whole 
pig. <laughs> this is Philip McCurley. And Philip was on the team. Uh, Bill Berg actually led that team. And oh, it was just so great having Bill be able to, he was a missionary there for 16 years. So great to have him go back to a place that he absolutely loves for him to lead. Uh, but also, man, you guys saw some amazing things happen, take place. So yeah, tell us about it. We also had a lot of amazing food. You saw the lechon, that was roasted pig, was amazing. Uh, yeah, my team was the Philippine team. Our leader was Bill Berg, and we had Barry Smith, uh, Kim Vestal, and Maxine Lawrence on our team. There was only five of us that went, but actually there was hundreds that allowed us to go and it made it possible, and that was you here at Grace. So I want to say, in Cebuano, salamit, or thank you. Learn a little, like salami, salamit, you can kind of... Uh, we worked with church planting, church, uh, you know, I, every time I go to say that, I t tangle those words up, church partnership evangelism. And what is very simply is, is that church members start uh, developing a spiritual relationship with people in their sphere of influence. And then we come in, we share the gospel, our story of coming to faith, and then we follow up. Uh, three months before we came, these church members started building relationships in a spiritual way with their oikos or their sphere of influence. They began to ask them for things they could pray for and to begin a relationship on that level. And then we came in, we began to share our story, which we all have a story of how we came to faith, of what were the circumstances that caused us to come to faith. And so we would share our story and give them an opportunity to accept Christ into their life. And then we would follow up with them a day or so later. As a result of that, we saw 137 people come to faith. Yeah, that's yeah, totally worth talking for. And not only just see them come to faith, but know that they are being planted into a church. And I think that's so good because oftentimes we hear about evangelistic crusades. You wonder, well, what really happens to those people? Well, in our case, we know they are planted into a church that they can continue on with. This has been one of the best outreaches I've been on. I've been on lots of outreaches. Uh, I lived 10 years on an outreach as a missionary. Uh, but on this outreach, some of the things that stood out to me, and it was, it was just sort of, sort of captivating me. I saw with Barry Smith, who has, uh, uh, before we even left, writing letters of people asking them to engage in prayer and, and to give, deepening those relationships. He shared his story then. And then on the streets of Cebu, talking with the motorcycle taxi gang about his story of how he came to faith. I thought, what would give him the courage to do such a thing? And then with Maxine, as a, a lady going up these darkened stairs with guys on either side who said she was kind of scared going up there, but she went to share the gospel with a family at the top of these stairs. It's Maxine there on the right. Then I heard Kim Vestal, who was sort of my uh, co-partner, we went many places together and sharing our story. And she shared her story over and over again of, as a single mom with six kids, being told it can't be done. But having a faith in God where she overcame many obstacles. And she shared that faith in the Philippines and it touched people's lives there. And I thought, what, you know, what is that? And then the, probably the most incredible thing for me to see Bill Berg, a man who was so convinced by God that he should go and face amazing uh, physical challenges. Just, you, you should ask him. I'm not going to tell you. You should ask him. But you see him here uh, with a group of 10 or 12 ladies with all their little babies and, 
a little distractive, but he was sharing the gospel and sharing how his story of loss and how God's been faithful to him. And I saw him being sustained in the midst of all this. And I thought, wow, what, what is that? What, what, what are these things? And I saw that as we as ordinary people, we, we're, no, we're just common people. I mean, we're just there. But we shared our story. We shared our story of faith and, and what God has done in our life. And we saw it as people began to hear it and get it. You would see it sort of as they heard this amazing message. But it was like, yeah, but what is it going to cost me? You could see that little dollar sign in a sense, in a spiritual dollar sign. What do I have to do to earn this salvation? And we shared them, it's grace. It's a free gift from God. All they have to do is ask God to forgive them for their sins and accept Jesus and ask him into their life. And as we told them that, that amazing story of grace, their bodies would relax, their smile would come on their face, joy began to fill the hearts, and it would splash out onto their tears. And it was, I saw, wow, what, as a missionary, I've seen this, but it was so fresh this time. And a few things that I could take away from this trip is that, you know, we're ordinary people. Anybody can do what we did. We all have a story of salvation. We all have the story of how we came to faith. And I realized it was a team effort. It wasn't just us five who went. It was us who went. So what is the answer to all my questions? And I realized, you know what it is? It's the power of the gospel that we have all experienced. This trip was so amazing. We saw uh, 137 people come to faith to experience the same thing that you've experienced. So I want to say again, as a team of hundreds that went to the Philippines, Salamit. Thank you. Uh, actually, I'm going to have him share one other brief thing because they just got an uh, email text this morning from, from something over there. So, Yeah, one of the pastors that we partnered with, we probably have a picture, but we're not trying to find it. Uh, he just had a heart attack this morning. And we just got a message of that. He was in the hospital. I think he's going to be okay. But if we could pray for him, I'd really appreciate it. You know, we spend... Uh, pray, pray for the follow-up. Pray for him and pray for okay. the follow-up. Okay. Father, we uh, bring Pastor Leo and Pastor Ava to you. And we ask you, Father, to be with them and to undergird them and strengthen them in this time, Father, where this physical is happening. And, um, and Pastor Leo, we have faith, hope, and we know that you are going to meet them in that. And Father, we also pray for the follow-up of these 137-plus people who came to faith, and as this church begins to shepherd them and comes to include them, we pray, Father, that you would just let this follow up, and they would come to know you even in a deeper way. Thank you for this trip. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Philip. Um, Pastor Leo, what a phenomenal person, and the work that God is using him to do there, and the impact that he's having all across the Philippines, not just in the island of Cebu. All right, so let's go from the Philippines and we're going to jump from there. We're going to jump over to Europe. And so we're going to go to the Czech Republic. Uh, this is our fourth time having a team go there. Um, Logan Benfield uh, interned there all summer long. You're going to be hearing from Lo Logan later. But the most atheistic country in all of Europe. You can see it's uh, up toward the north side of Europe there, where it's right between Germany, Poland, and then you've got Czech. I've been sending teams there for 20 years. We worked in the with the town people from the town of Nove Mesto. We worked with the Nove Mesto church there. Uh, so, as you notice, they did a lot of dancing there. It was great. Some of you also saw a few pictures of Brandon Heron in there. Brandon uh, and Kristen used to go here. He's now pastoring in a, in a church in uh, uh, Idaho. Uh, and 
Andy, you're going to share a little bit about that. So we got Andy Colmer and Rebecca Sylvia. Uh, Rebecca's going to uh, share briefly first, just yeah, a little bit of a challenge that you had, you know, kind of going into the whole thing, but how God worked through that. Yeah, so tell us about it. Uh, well, there was several um, little challenges that our team faced um, coming back. One of our flights was canceled. Our trains got rerouted. Um, I also ended up getting tonsillitis. Um, they, so they sent me to the hospital in Prague. Um, and I was told I, I might not even get to go to camp, um, but that if I could get better, um, I could join them a few days later. So I ended up spending four days by myself um, in an apartment of a friend of mine that was over there. And one of the local women from the church brought me food. And I'm not normally um, a by-myself kind of person. So that was, that was a little bit challenging. But my mom, who was freaking out, even though I'm an adult, and I'm like, Mom, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> she just really encouraged me to really think about how God is going to use this and how, how is he going to use this for his glory. And um, so when I was able to get back to camp, um, Harrison, um, you can see him up there. He's only 16 years old. He was not very happy that I wasn't there because it meant he had to do worship by himself for the first two or three days. Um, but him and Garrett, Garrett was another 16-year-old kid um, from Brandon's team, um, really were stretched sort of outside of their comfort zone in that they had to lead worship and lead English class by themselves. Um, which it was just a really cool experience to watch them shine, and they did a fantastic job, um, which, which was really cool. Um, the other thing that I thought was really awesome was that um, Wednesday night is our big hard-hitting gospel night, and I had to actually play and sing for two and a half hours um, after getting back and having tonsillitis, but um, the kids could come and talk with leaders and pray and worship, and every single student wanted to talk with a leader and stayed up until one in the morning asking questions, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, we faced a, a number of challenges, and uh, it's just amazing how God worked through those, and uh, just with Harrison stepping up and, and, you know, he's 16 years old. It's pretty, pretty awesome how God can work through young people. Um, interesting with this, this is our fourth trip to check. And um, Brandon Heron, is, as uh, Bob mentioned, is from this church, and he's leading a church in Idaho now. And they came over with us. And so that was one of our challenges of blending and bonding with that team uh, God did amazing things through the two of us together. It was really, really awesome. Uh, I think what's neat about that is that um, we've been invited back, um, but not just to Novo Miesto, but also to another location um, that they're kind of sending out another uh, pastor to. And so the, what started four years, well, four, uh, four camps ago is, is kind of multiplying into another, uh, another place. And that's that's significant in Czech. So um, that first uh, trip four, four camps ago, Logan Benfield was also a part of that. He's from this church. He was leading one of the groups at the new site. And so hopefully, Lord willing, next year we'll, we'll be in two places rather than one. So there's a lot of fourth and fifth graders out there that I know from teaching that class. And I'm hoping that um, some of you that have grown up and, and come through this church will consider going on these trips at some point. So uh, pretty amazing things. One, one story that sticks out to me uh, is Cuba, who I met uh, three camps ago, and uh, just a young kid and crazy. 
but he decided to follow Jesus this time. So seeds that were planted three camps ago, four camps ago, are starting to, to come to fruition in, in decisions for Christ, and it's pretty special. Uh, he's invited his sister. I've developed a relationship with his father. And uh, just to see in follow-up at the church, uh, these families, not just individuals, but families having conversations about Christ is significant in, in check. And so we want to thank all of you for being a part of that and encourage you also to consider going on one of these teams because it's amazing what you see God do and uh, not only in your life, but in the lives of people around the world. So thank you. You guys stay here. I want to take a moment. Yeah, give a big hand. And, and I hope all of you are kind of putting the pieces together. Do you see what's happening all across the world? But do you see what's just like happening here? I mean, one, Brandon was here. Well, now Brandon is doing this in his church, and so it's going to multiply. But the guy we're working with over there, David Nitra, he's now leaving the north side of Czech, going to the south side of Czech to start a new church. That's where the new camp is going to be. And so then, most likely, Brandon is going to take a team back to the north side next year. We'll take a brand new team to the south side. Do you see the multiplication? And this is in the most atheistic country in Europe. Isn't that awesome? It's great. So let's take a moment and pray for, for the follow-up for all of that and what God continues to do. So, Father, thank you for just amazing things that you have been doing in these kids, many of them over the past three, four years. And those people like, like Cuba coming to Christ and, and truly beginning to be a passionate, committed follower. Pray that you would br keep bringing the right people alongside all of these kids to help them really grow. Pray for David, Nitra, that you would... You would give them great um, um, courage, uh, persistence, passion uh, to do this church plant. I pray that great things would happen in and through him um, and, and through that opportunity. Continue to strengthen them in Christ's power. And we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Uh, well, let's, let's now go from the Czech Republic, and now we're going to drop down south from there. We're going to go to Lebanon. <clears throat> and so we had the opportunity to go uh, work there. We had five different churches that went together to go to Lebanon. So you see where it is. Israel is just to the south. And so then we're going to drop in on Beirut. So we were based out of Beirut, and we were doing medical, dental, uh, children's ministry, and some... Uh, uh, relief work and some community development things. Then we're going to drop down to Sidon. So we went from there, went down to Sidon, which is south of there. And Sidon, uh, I'm going to share some stories uh, from there. Uh, the second week, a big chunk of our team went there, saw some amazing things. If you go back to your Bible, Sidon and Tyre and the prophecies about Sidon and Tyre. Um, God's doing incredible things there. But then we went from there, we went across over the mountains, and we went over to uh, the Bekaa Valley, and this is working with the Syrian refugees in both of these places. This is a, one of the tent villages, and you can see they just throw them up wherever they can get a piece of land, and people are living in these tents. 1.5 million Syrian refugees that are in Lebanon. Horrible, horrible war in Syria. Devastating uh, effect on people and lives and families. And yet what God is doing in and through all this, so at these, at these camps, who's taking care of them? Who's feeding them? Who's coming along? Who's doing all? It's not the, it's not the Muslims. It, it, it isn't the, the Buddhists and the Hindus. It's the Christians. And it's blowing them away. 
It's amazing to them that those people that they thought were supposed to be their enemy, they're the ones that are taking care of them. We're going to go five miles down the road here, and we're going to go, uh, this is where we took part of our team, and we went down, and we went to lunch. It's going to be just down the road, a short ways. And you're going to see right there, to the right, there's a white kind of rooftop. That's where we had lunch. But you see to the left down, you see all the trucks parked there. That is the crossing into Syria. That's how close we were to Syria. But let me tell you just a little bit about the people we worked with. We worked for the group, with church, some churches, a group called Heart for Lebanon, and then also uh, um, Youth for Christ. Um, one of the guys, the picture I want to show you here, uh, this guy's name is Milad. And Milad is working in the area of Sidon. Milad was, we'll get there in a second here. There it is, Milad. And so um, Milad, I can honestly tell you that in all my years of ministry and working overseas, this guy is probably closest to what I would call the Apostle Paul I've ever seen. This guy is on fire for Christ. He is just so rabidly passionate about Christ and what Christ can do in people's hearts and lives. This guy used to be in Hamas. This guy was a Hamas fighter. He was moving up to a high level in Hamas. And God works things out to where he ends up bumping into a missionary. He had begun to question some things because of some things that he had been seeing. And he ends up in these great conversations with this missionary, and he ends up giving his life to Christ. Now, Milad, he, he was working in this area of Sidon that is a Hamas-controlled area. <laughs> he becomes a Christian, and then he starts leading Muslims to Christ. So the week that we were there, on Monday, we had a Kurdish Muslim Bible study. You'll see the picture here. A Kurdish Muslim Bible study. There you are. You see them. They're all in the, all the full garb. That was on Monday. On Tuesday, we did another one. There was about... 55 people that were there. Next day, we had another one, Kurdish. The next day, we did a Muslim women's Bible study. They had 62 women that were there. And the next day, we did a Muslim men's Bible study. And there were about 45 Muslim men that were there. But see, what God is doing, I mean, Syria, it's horrible. It's terrible what is taking place over there. We went into one home, and we were talking with the family and this, uh, this gal, she shares about her son, who was about 10 years old at this point. But they came from the Aleppo area. He was on a school bus. The bus got hit by a bomb. Every kid on the bus was killed except him. Horrible situations, circumstances that they all came from. But in the midst of this, God is doing some amazing things. So the next picture is going to be of a, a gal. You see the gal in the middle there? Do you see the smile on her face? Do you see the brightness in her eyes? This gal, she ended up having three dreams about Jesus. And if you haven't heard about this at all, the dreams and visions that Muslims are having, we heard it all the time. This gal had three dreams about She didn't know anything about Jesus. She never thought much about Jesus. She ended up having three dreams where Jesus said, I am the truth, I'm the way, follow me. And somebody invited her to that Bible study, and she gave her life to Christ. She is fired up for Christ. She is bubbly. She's, she's excited about Christ. But here's what she ended up saying. She said, before I followed Jesus, we never had enough. They live in a little shack. She said, since 
choosing to follow Jesus, the flour never runs out. The sugar never runs out. The rice never runs out. And she says, Jesus is amazing. She lives in a shack. But Jesus has met her right there. Hmm. The Muslim men's Bible study, the next picture. This is a guy down on the left in the striped shirt. He showed up about a half hour before the study started. And Chris Delaney, one of the guys who was on the team, uh, by the way, I need to remind you, everybody that was on our team, uh, so it was Chris Delaney, uh, Kathy Cranell, um, Ali Escamilla, Rachel Colmer, Esther Colmer, Daniel Vestal, Judy, Julie Vosser. Uh, but uh, Chris Delaney ended up talking with this guy, and we all do the normal things where we just say, uh, where are you from? How'd you get here? Where, where did you work? What did you do? And all that. But we also say, how'd you end up coming to this Bible study? So this guy says, well, two weeks ago, I had a dream about Jesus. And I don't know anything about Jesus. And Jesus came to me and he said, I'm the truth, follow me, and I'm sending someone to talk to you. The very next day, he's standing out in front of his place. Two workers from Hartford, Lebanon went to see somebody else. He wasn't there. He's standing out front. And they say, oh, do you know where this guy is? No, no, no. And, well, who are you? Well, we're with Heart for Lebanon, and we're a relief agency. We're a Christian relief agency. And he goes, bing, Christian. Could you guys tell me about Jesus? Because I don't know anything about Jesus. He didn't tell him. He just had a dream about Jesus the night before. They share with him, and he gives his life to Christ. And he starts going to the Muslim men's Bible study. At the end of those Bible studies, all those people, you get done, they line up because they want to talk to you and they, and they want to share what God's been doing. But every one of them wants you to pray for them. But it's really important to them that you pray in Jesus' name. Because you know what? These Muslim people who are studying about Jesus have become convinced that there's power in the name of Jesus. And you have to pray for them in Jesus' name. Isn't that incredible? Folks, we have great opportunities to invest around. We're incredibly careful about where we pick to go, what we choose to do, who we invest ourselves with. But man, God is doing amazing things all across the world. So would you join me as we just pray and we praise God, and then we're going to sing again and praise him for the amazing, incredible God that he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunities in Lebanon. Thank you for the amazing people that we get to work with there, that their heart and their passion and commitment makes us, <laughs> makes us look like we're weak. Thank you for that great opportunity. But thank you for, again, the opportunities that you're giving us across the world. I pray that you would continue to work in such a way that there would be millions of people coming to Christ in ways that we've never seen before. But Lord, from what we've just seen today, we want to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, 
visit us online at gracecc.net.